This is a Federal News Network podcast. The road to federal digital transformation is paved with more than just good intentions. Siloed teams, inefficient legacy systems, massive amounts of data, unique customer needs, those are just some of the challenges. But several agencies have made progress in digital transformation by tackling those obstacles head-on. Federal News Network digital editor Amelia Brust has more details. Digital transformation is not a one-size-fits-all activity for federal agencies. The Department of Homeland Security has mission data domains focused on everything from child trafficking to cybersecurity and biometrics. DHS's Deputy Chief Data Officer, Carlina Lido, says the department's strategy is to improve data collection, maintenance, and application security both internally and externally. Here she is addressing a virtual summit on digital transformation for Fed and industry leaders last week. In addition to that, we're generating policies, um, data uh, interoperability policies and data sharing policies. And then in addition to that, we're looking at the governance structure, data governance structure, and ensuring that we have a process in place that will help our components and our emission data domains to communicate the data necessary to impact um, the country and the country's security in a positive way, of course. Within the Department of Homeland Security, Customs and Border Protection uses digital technologies to create new or modify existing business processes, culture, and customer experiences. CBP's Chief Information Officer, Sunny Bagawalia, says it's about cultural shifts and making sure people get comfortable with new processes. He says Customs and Border Protection has automated more than 45 IT workflows in the last 12 months, cut labor hours by the thousands, and uses single platforms for a streamlined, more efficient user experience around everyday tasks like procurement or technical assistance. But the success is not about technology or the technical acumen of our teams. We have embedded our agents and officers who make sure that the type of stuff that we're delivering and type of stuff that we're making is really delivering the value and reducing complexity so that they can do their jobs better. And that to me is also a a secret ingredient to this, just making sure that we deliver what they want as opposed to sometimes, you know, uh, shiny uh, object syndrome. One of the fastest growing technologies within CBP is robotic process automation or RPA. Using RPA, the agency has more than 110 chatbots in production and another 50 in development. Chatbots also helped the Veterans Affairs contact centers early in the pandemic. Daniel McCune, VA's Acting Associate Deputy Assistant Secretary in the Enterprise Program Management Office, says the centers were overrun with calls and VA struggled to scale up staff. Digital transformation during the pandemic also included expanded telehealth at VA, which McCune says went from doing 40,000 visits in a month to doing that many in a single day. So that is a dramatic scaling and only only able to be accomplished by, by moving to cloud technology. For an agency as large as VA, the biggest healthcare provider and biggest federal IT organization, pivoting so quickly is no small feat. McCune says digital transformation is a bit like steering a ship. It takes a while to get things moving, but once they do, it's hard to stop. He said much of that is mission-driven. The veteran is who we are trying to impact, and our ability to positively impact the lives of veterans and their customer experience is the North Star for our transformation. Then there's the Office of Personnel Management, which will launch a new human capital dashboard within the next three to five months. 
Jason Bark, Acting Principal Deputy Associate Director for OPM's Employee Services, says staff are loading the platform, running usability and security testing to ensure data is shareable. After that, OPM will launch the dashboard in phases, giving limited access to agencies before making the data public. However, the public version will be less data-rich than the version for internal government-only use, which Bark says will have special security requirements like two-factor authentication. It's been in the works from kind of idea to where we are now, probably about 18 months. Um, We've continued to refine it. We've continued to do some usability as we've gone out and and shared it with different agencies. We've gotten good feedback where they say we should add this, we should add this. And so we've we've got it to a pretty good spot right now where we feel a a phase one kind of deployment is is about um, where we're going to be at. Bark, who works on the human capital side of OPM, says he collaborated with the agency's data office to determine what data should go into the dashboard. His team wants the platform to be as user-friendly as possible so that no one needs a coding background to access it. For us, the biggest thing that we've heard is to be able to have comparable data, drill down data. You know, we've seen some good dashboards out there within agencies and the best ones are ones where we can say, you know, well, this office looks like this as compared to another office within that organ, within that agency and not necessarily a competition, but it also, it, it does breed some, some competition out there. You know, hey, if our time to hire is, you know, 100 days for employees and yours is 70, you know, how do we get that down? But, you know, then it, it allows for that collaboration. Well, what are you guys doing? How are you doing that? Are you using flexibilities or using incentives? What's making that possible? Having those kinds of conversations between developers and customers is crucial to ensuring agencies use the right metrics when they undergo digital transformation. This was a lesson VA had to learn the hard way. Daniel McCune says things like a fractured budget and siloed teams that did not align with their business customers are also to blame for periodic setbacks along the way. For example, when the development team passes an architectural design to the operations team, he says it takes a while to recover all of that background knowledge. To fix this, he says VA switched from project teams to product teams, who are responsible for that product from beginning to end. The metaphor I use is hand grenades and T-Rex arms, right? Uh, The development team designs and builds a a product that's full of fault lines and, and defects and deficiencies and they want to throw it over the wall as quick as they can because they know it's going to blow up. On the operations side, we have kind of these T-Rex arms. We don't want to accept the product. No amount of documentation, design reviews makes you comfortable that, that you really truly understand where all those fault lines are. Amelia Brust, Federal News Radio, part of the Federal News Network. And you can find Amelia's report at federalnewsnetwork.com. Hello, and welcome to the Lessons in Leadership podcast. I am your host, Shane Canfield, CEO of WEPA. Today, I'm thrilled to be joined by Vice Admiral Cutler Dawson. Cutler has had an incredible career serving our country for 35 years in the Navy, where he attained the rank of Vice Admiral. During his service, he had numerous assignments afloat and ashore, including Commander, Second Fleet, Striking Fleet Atlantic, and in Washington at the Pentagon and on Capitol Hill, where he was the Navy's Chief of Legislative Affairs. Immediately following his retirement from active duty in 2004, he became the president and CEO of Navy Federal Credit Union, the world's largest credit union, where he served for 14 years. Under his leadership, Navy Federal grew from 2 million to 8 million members. Phenomenal. Cutler, welcome and thanks for joining me. Thank you, Shane. 
You've had a fascinating career across both military and the private sector. Can you tell us a little bit more about your background and your professional journey? Well, I started out at the Naval Academy where I graduated in 1970. And then, as you mentioned, spent 35 years in the Navy um, with uh, six actual, actual uh, afloat commands. Uh, the first one was when I was 27 years old. Uh, I didn't know enough to be scared of anything. And it was uh, probably one of the highlights of my career. Um, and then after I retired after 35 years, I went to uh, work at Navy Federal Credit Union as the CEO, where I spent my next 14 years. Um, I'm, I'm currently retired and enjoying life. And um, it's been a great run for me. How would you describe your leadership style? And how's that developed over the years? My style has been quite con consistent. Um, I believe, and I've learned this in the Navy, that you have to go to the deck plates uh, to see what is going on. And you have to learn what your people do and how they do it so you can help them to be better at it and more efficient and more productive. Um, it's um, something that you need to do all the time. Um, I remember I used to tell folks that um, you don't want to retreat to your cabin. And what I mean by that is um, the longer you're in a position, the less you think you have to get out and about. But that should be the opposite. You should get out and about more because people change, situations change, and you've got to figure out a way to get to them and find out what they're doing and where, what you can do to help them. Uh, I. We'll talk a little bit more about your book, but I read it um, from C to the C-suite. Fantastic read. You talk about the deck plates in that um, as well. I would encourage everyone to get a copy of this and read some more detail about going to the deck plates. Cutler, who was the most impactful leader in your life and what quality did you admire about them? I had numerous while I was in the Navy, but uh, the quality that, that I enjoyed the most was the leaders that got to know me as an individual and that they cared about me. And I could tell that they cared about me. And they were not only my leaders, but they were my mentors. And um, I remember um, one particular one, Bill Schiffer, when I had my first assignment at the Pentagon, um, I would go in to see him with my problem of the day. And I knew that he had numerous problems of his own, but he would stop and he would focus on me and he would make me feel like I was the most important person in his world. Um, and I, I tried to do that um, throughout my career, but really it's about caring for your people. Cutler, in reading your book, there was a quote you used that you used to inspire those people that work for you. And it really got my attention. And it was, it was you are the captain of your own ship. I wonder if you can talk a little bit about what that means and how it was useful to you and the leaders you were developing. Uh, absolutely. Um, what I mean by captain of your own ship, when you are the captain of a ship, sometimes you're in the middle of the ocean and you don't have anybody to turn to to make decisions. You don't have anybody to turn to ask, what should I do now? You have to be the captain of that ship. And I, I translated that um, into, let's say, Navy Federal's organization, where I would tell branch managers that I said, you are the captain of the ships of Navy Federal. You're the ones that are facing the, the members or customers, as others call them, every day. And you have to make decisions without a lot of guidance, in some cases, and 
without a lot of time. So be the captain of your own ship. Step up, uh, make decisions, uh, do what you think is right, and you never can go wrong. I think that is so important. And you have to give your people a little bit of latitude to take some risk as well, because there is risk for them in doing that and risk to your organization. That's right. And, and I mentioned that I took command of my first ship uh, with five years in the Navy and I was 27 years old. Well, my boss had 32 years in the Navy and um, his, his guidance to me when I first met him was, Cutler, you do the right thing and I'll back you up all the way. What a wonderful way to, to spend an assignment with, uh, with backup and, and guidance like that. What, what great, great advice. Uh, it's clear leadership is a topic you're passionate about. You wrote the book we mentioned before, um, From C to C-Suite. Can you tell us a little bit about that project? Yes, when I was at Navy Federal, I would tell sea stories. Uh, as parables to get my point across. And um, folks would tell me, Cutler, we like your stories. It gives us a picture of what you're trying to tell us. Now, what else are they gonna say? They work for me, but uh, uh, I took it as a compliment and it was. And my wife encouraged me to write a book and I needed a co-author to help me. And I found a lady named Taylor Keelan who was the perfect, perfect co-author. She turned in my stories into wonderful chapters um, that I'm very proud of. Where can listeners find a copy? Well, you can get it on Amazon uh, and you can also uh, get it on the Naval Institute website. Uh, and I might add that um, any proceeds from the book, Navy Federal uses uh, to give to charity. Fantastic. Cutler, thank you very much. Really enjoyed your time and your lessons and in leadership and sharing with us your life story. And, and uh, I've learned a lot both from talking to you today and reading your book. And thank you very much for your time. It's my pleasure. And I, I, I would like to add one thing if I could, Shane. Um, during my assignments in Washington, DC, I gained the utmost respect for the civilians that work here every day. They're hardworking, they're dedicated, and they, they have my eternal gratitude. Uh, I got to come and go from the Pentagon. They stayed every day and worked in Washington when I got to go out and um, enjoy being at sea. Perfect, thank you. Yeah, we, WEPA serves civilian federal employees, but your comment is well taken because the interaction between the two is is continuous, it's nonstop, and it's critical. So uh, the career civil servants, as well as career military, uh, our country would not be where it is today without them. I totally and, agree. And, and I can tell you from the US Navy standpoint, uh, we couldn't operate like we do without them being the backbone of what we do. Thank you very much for your time today, Cutler. And to everyone listening to Lessons in Leadership podcast, we'll see you next time. Helping your employees learn new cloud skills helps your business become more agile, more resilient, and more secure. Not helping employees learn new cloud skills causes your business to become less agile, less resilient, less secure, less innovative, less profitable, and, well, ultimately less of a business. Don't become less of a business. Try Pluralsight and get your employees everything they need to learn new cloud skills. Learn more at pluralsight.com vision. 
Grab a 30-day free trial of Live by Live Plus and you'll get unlimited skips, commercial-free music, and all of the podcasts and live streaming events you can handle. Visit livexlive.com slash podcast one to learn more and start your free trial.